This is another episode of Tell Me More. I'm Luke Stair, and today I'm joined by Connor Torrialba as we talk about love and his sermon and just the tangible ways we live love out in the world and how it is ultimately the mark of our lives as Christians. We hope that you will enjoy this episode, and there will be more to come. Welcome to another episode of Tell Me More. My name is Luke Stair, and today I'm here with Connor Torrialba. Hello. Who is our college minister and had his preaching debut at our church yesterday. It was fun. It's not his first time preaching, but it is his first time preaching in worship on Sunday at our church. It was uh, nerve-wracking and fun all at the same time. And it was a gift. So thank you for sharing it with us. Thanks. Thanks. Connor, I thought many people in our church may not be super familiar with who you are, so if you could just... Tell us who you are. Sure. Uh, and tell us a little bit about kind yourself. Of how we opened yesterday a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm the college minister here at First Arlington. I'm coming up on a year in March, so it's hard to believe that. feels like it's been longer and shorter all at the same time, I think. Um, but it's been incredible to be here so far. Uh, but I'm a Arlington native, grew up here, was homeschooled in high school, uh, graduated and went on to UTA. Um, well, I went to DBU first for a year and then went to UTA. Uh, got my bachelor's in information systems and then um, graduated, got married to patients, and then uh, helped start and lead a college ministry at my previous church, uh, Tate Springs Baptist Church. Led that for four years bivocationally. And then um, after I graduated from Criswell College with my master's in Christian studies during that time, um, kind of sensed the Lord calling us on to something new, something different. Uh, maybe, and didn't realize that it would be just down the road. And so, uh, yeah, I, I shared this just a minute ago, kind of as Luke and I were having a conversation, but I remember I applied for this job here. Um, it's my first church job I've ever applied to. And I thought, well, I won't get the job, but it'll at least be a good experience to interview and go through the process. Uh, but hey, look, the Lord had other plans and, um, man, I'm so excited to get to be here. We're glad you're here. So for people listening, what are the ways they can be praying for our college ministry? Man, uh, there's a few things in particular that come to mind. Um, Right now, I mentioned this at the start, kind of my initial assessment of the college ministry arriving here was that it was just in a really solid spot. The foundation was in a really good place. Um, I mean, hats off to Katie Reed Hodges and Kara Milton for, um, for building that. So that when I got here, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I got to fix a bunch of things or something's on fire necessarily. <laughs> uh, but instead, really getting to build on on that. And the way I saw it was that um, the college ministry at First Arlington was and still is at a crossroads of possibility. Um, you know, the opportunity is incredible being across from UTA, but then also just the students that we have that are um, that grew up here at First Arlington and have gone out. We have a natural sending pipeline just within the college ministry, um, which is exciting. And so to build on that, you know, what I wanted to do was create a culture of disciple makers at the mm. college ministry. And so that's something that has really blossomed into student leadership being a key part of everything we do. So this past Sunday, while I was doing the preaching at the first service and the second service, in between we have our Bible study hour. And uh, a student, Jenna, taught 
our Sunday school class. And that's something that we've started to do last semester, just kind of incorporate student teachers, because that's where I got my start um, as somebody even like senior in high school into college, getting to teach and getting just those opportunities and a little bit of a safe space to mm. try and see like, hey, am I gifted in this or not? Or is this something I want to do? And what's been interesting is that even the students who aren't like super wanting to go into ministry, they still give it a shot. And what they learn is, oh, it's actually not too hard to teach. It's not too hard to to write up a Bible study and lead. Because, you know, the prayer request for this is that this whole disciple maker, student leader thing is uh, investing in and building the next generation of church leaders. And so um, praying for the Lord to raise up more of those, uh, praying for the Lord to uh, empower the ones that are living that out already. Several of them are involved in things like the preschool ministry or the orchestra or the BSM, which is a partner ministry, obviously, of ours. And um, But then many of them are just leading their own Bible studies, uh, just on their own with their peers, inviting them to to meet up weekly to study together. And, it, and then several of them are also just inviting friends to church and being bold and having prayer times on campus. And man, they're, I think what's cool is that when you give college students uh, an empowering and an encouragement, um, they they do stuff, <laughs> and it's they pretty do. cool. And so, uh, getting to see the Lord move in those places has been cool. Last semester, uh, we had about five or six people come to Christ uh, in the college ministry. Um, my prayer, I have shared this with our lead team, and I don't know. Part of me was like, "Do I make this kind of a public prayer?" I don't know that it's a wrong thing to make a public prayer out of this, uh, but I'm praying for ten this semester. Um, who knows if that'll happen, but why not ask for it? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's my prayer is that the Lord would uh, would save 10, 10 students this semester. Uh, he's already at work in several. Um, and I don't know. I just – I think one of the things I've been learning recently is the power of prayer and the power of bold prayers and um, that whole you have not because you ask not, mm-hmm. being challenged with that and trying to be somebody who just asks for the big thing and – Let's see what happens, right? So, I mean, pray for the students who are leading. Pray for um, the students to be bold and sharing their faith. Pray for the students to be responsive to all of that. And then, you know, pray for me uh, in juggling all of this. And um, we are hiring a new student associate, a girls associate for our ministry. And so pray for the person that the Lord would bring to that role. Yeah. Well, uh yeah, I would encourage you to keep all those things in mind. If you see Connor around church, just let him know that you are praying for him. Uh, he's doing some incredible work, and it's exciting to see what God is doing through him. Lord, Lord. Um, so, good things. Well, um, Connor, I believe in a thing called love. <laughs> just listen to the rhythm of my heart. Um, which, if you're not familiar with that, is from a very tacky hairband called The Darkness. <laughs> uh, don't recommend looking it up because uh, it's too catchy and weird. <laughs> um, but we're here to talk about love today. Yeah. Uh, you preached about love. Um, one thing many people may not know is that you've actually written a book on love. It's true. It's not out yet or anything like that. Still looking into what publishing even means and looks like. But Yeah, but um, this is something you've given a tremendous amount of thought to. It's something yeah. you're clearly passionate about. Yeah. And so... I love the way that you set this up and that this is a question of definition. Love is a word we use mm-hmm. a lot. Right. Um, but what does it mean? 
Yeah. And I think you set up some really great questions. Mm. So as you've thought about what you primarily led into is that love is action oriented and it's in the Christian conception is bent towards the good of others and that there's an action component to it. That there has to be an action. There has to to be. Yeah. I mean, I've even gone so far as to say love isn't real until it's lived out. Mm. Um, which feels maybe a little too extreme, but I think it's true. I think what do you mean by that then? If it feels extreme, I think that, um, I think there's two kinds of love. Perhaps there's the, there's a general like world definition of love, which is this kind of deep affection or care for someone, uh, which is, I think how many or most of us would understand the word. Um, but I think that the way that Christ defines it specifically the way that John the, the gospel writer defines it and shows it through the example of Christ is beyond that. Like it's, it's specifically about God's best. Right. And so Mm. the definition I used was wanting God's best for someone and taking action to see it happen. And so I think that you can love in a world sense. I'm using quotes here that you can't see because this is an audio podcast. You can love in a world sense with that deep care and affection, which I think is meaningful and powerful. But I think Christ-like love goes beyond that to the point where we're actually like helping manifest the work of God in, in somebody else's life. Yeah. Which is why it's so different, which is why, you know, um, the love that, that Christ offers us is, is unique, I think. It is. Well, I think John makes a particularly bold claim mm-hmm. in First John, and that's God is love. Yeah. And it's not the other way around. It's right. not that love is God. That's what our culture would say. Our, yes, I think it would. <laughs> yeah. But it's that God is love. And mm-hmm. so God becomes the defining mm-hmm. power for this concept of right. love. And that was just as revolutionary then right. as it is now. And so I think people may have heard that there are these different Greek classifications of sure. love. So yeah. there's storge, which is like this kind of like stoic, yeah, all these, like all different gritted definitions teeth kind of, of love. Yeah. and. There's Eros, which is romance. Sure. But John comes in and says, God is love. Right. And then proceed and then goes on to tell us what that means. And that is this picture of Christ dying for us. Right. And making things right. Yeah. Yeah. And then saying that if you're going to be my disciple, you have to love like I loved. And that the world will know yeah. you're a disciple of Christ if you do this. Right. And if you don't do this, it's going to be hard to tell. Yep. Um, so some amazing concepts in there. I think, so we think about a Christian conception. One thing that different theologians have talked about through time is that love in Christian theology is primarily an ethic. Mm. It's not a feeling. Right. Um, it is action. It is duty. It is all of these things that we are called into. Uh, And I like so much what you said, that it is not something that is natural to us. And I'm wondering if you could talk more about that. Right. I think... If we're defining love, like we've said, with this uh, bent towards wanting God's best for someone, then that can't be natural to us because we're broken people. We have a sinful uh, heart. And, um, you know, if we're Christians, we're redeemed and changed and transformed. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that actually enables us to love in this way that that overcomes either biases or barriers or um, annoyances or whatever it might be our enemies, right? That kind of a call to love. Um, Those things are not natural to us. 
the deep care and affection that we feel for our family or our spouse or um, even our close friends, like that is natural. That's what the world understands it to be. Um, but – and it's good. That doesn't make it bad. It is. It's, you know? it's God's design. Yeah, absolutely. But um, going beyond that to the, to the level that Christ did to win all of us to Christ to, – to God, you know, through his life, death, and, and resurrection, like, that's something different. Yeah. So one of the things uh, that Kurt Grice and I talked about last week, and I don't know if you've heard this before, is Augustine's definition of sin is that it's love out of order. Okay. And Interesting. So, I haven't heard that before. And what I, I think it resonates so well with this Gospel of John. Augustine is an amazing theological thinker, so we shouldn't be surprised if we find something deep in Augustine. In Augustine. Um. But he talks about love. Sin is love out of order. So it's when we get our loves hmm. in the wrong, sure, in the wrong order. So yeah. God's God, our love of God should be first. Then it should be other people. Then it right. should be ourselves. So sin happens when we get those things mixed up. Yeah. Uh, and what Jesus comes to do is comes to put those things in order for us because we sure we cannot do it mm-hmm. ourselves. We we may try and yeah. occasionally get it right, but more often than not. Right. <laughs> That's typically an accident. Yeah, yeah, our desires lead us in the wrong way. Right. So I love what you said, that this isn't something that's natural to us. Mm-hmm. I think so often, naturally, we get love out of order. Right. Um, so I love that. And then you talk about that this is this desire or this writing of the order of loves is something that comes from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. How do we lean into that? How do we allow the Spirit to guide us in that way? I think about um, the times that I've spent just sitting with the Lord uh, in prayer, um, reading scripture, and having unhurried time with him. Um, it's something we challenge, I challenge our students to do a lot because it's in those moments where you read the word, you pray, you talk with him, that he reveals himself to you, and it's at a deep, rich level that makes you want to love better too. Um because he's able to love you in a way that, like, man, I can't express or explain, really. But I think, you know, pressing into the Holy Spirit really is about take, actually making time for him mm. um, and really taking a moment to listen and ask him, hey, what do you have for me today, you know? Um, and then as it relates to practically, like, as best as I can, I don't always get this done at the beginning of my day, but try to make sure that, I pray for the Lord to lead my day. Um, I have a prayer that I've written out. What's new thing I'm trying this year? I wrote out a full like two paragraph prayer that mm-hmm. I pray every morning. That's just kind of like a getting me in the right headspace and all that. It includes the definition of love and just kind of asking the Holy Spirit to help me love in this way and to forgive me for the times that I didn't yesterday. Um, and that's been helpful to kind of have my yeah. own personal liturgy to some degree. Um, and so, I don't know, That's that's been good. That's helped me lean into the Holy Spirit and actually remind me every day I've got to, you know, fix my eyes on on Him and lean on Him. Yeah, I, I like what you've said about encouraging your students and by extension, everyone else in our church to spend this unhurried time with God. And it reminds me of a quote from a theologian named Kosuke Koyama. And uh, this quote is uh, from an essay he wrote about love. Mm-hmm. And it's this, love has its speed. It is a spiritual speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. 
It goes on in the depth of our life, whether we notice or not, at three miles an hour. It is the speed we walk and therefore the speed of love at Mm. which God walks. Mm. And so this idea, and he's drawing from the story of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness and just the slow, plodding, meandering journey and God walking with them at three miles an hour and that love is this unhurried thing. And I think if we're going to lean into the love of God, we have to lean into that unhurried time. Yeah. Because that's where we receive it so we can actually give it away. Yeah. So I think that is great advice. So before this podcast, one of the things that you talked about, you know, we talked about that you'd written this book on love, um, which I hope you do publish someday. You talked about your sermon. A lot of the things you talked about are really kind of chapter one of this book. Sure. So what yeah. are the other chapters? Sure. Um, the the book wasn't necessarily commissioned by uh, Glowing Heart, but I used to be part of a ministry called Glowing Heart in College, uh, and they do uh, Disciple Nows and Wake Up Weekends all over the southern United States in a camp every summer. And it was at that summer camp as a high school student that I gave my life to Jesus for mm-hmm. real. Um, and so I got a chance to be their camp speaker for two years in a row last year. It was in between jobs, and I was like, I want to kind of work on this book regarding love. Like maybe we could do that as the camp material. And so um, I wrote the book for that. It's good to have an audience for the thing that you're writing. It is. Um, and so uh, that helped use my time well uh, while I was kind of in between jobs. Um, but, yeah, so the book itself, it's broken up into eight chapters. Um, some of the chapters are things like, you know, it takes the definition that we talked about yesterday and then applies it to, okay, what does that mean to be a loving friend, uh, a loving family member, um, a loving person in relationships? Uh, in particular, it was a youth camp, so it was about dating. Um, but, you know, that extends into marriage. Um, uh, how do we do this within the church? How do we do this in discipleship? How do we do this with strangers? You know, mm. loving. Uh, I think for that chapter, I went in depth on uh, the story of the Good Samaritan in particular. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of a, it's a broad definition that we're working with, which helps, you know, to dive deep into, okay, if this is true, how do we actually do that in this application here, this application here, stuff like that. So, what does it look like for us to be loving people in the context of our church? Yeah. Um, I think one of the statements that I made there, which was it was neat because I wrote it before coming here, was just um, that the way that this should work, I think, for churches is that churches should be active in the community in a way that Jesus would be if he was walking in our community. Hmm. What are the things that Jesus would be doing if he was walking around downtown Arlington? I think he would be doing a lot of the things that First Arlington is doing, uh, which is really cool. Um, But one of the points that I make is that that comes down to a collective and an individual action. So we've all got to be working together to make those kinds of things happen. That being said, you know, just because – I'm personally living out the definition of love doesn't mean that the person next to me is going to. But if we all are, if we're all trying to do that, then as a community, it's that whole thing of, you know, are you representing Jesus as an individual? Okay, good, hopefully. But then you have to macro it a little bit more and say, is this community like Jesus? Is this church 
like Jesus. And so I've, it's been helpful to me, um, even as we've talked about this in the college ministry, to think about if somebody were to interact with our group, would they have a better idea about who Jesus is in a, in a truthful way mm-hmm. than, uh, Great than, than being ask. more confused about who Jesus is and what he's actually about? Um, I think, you know, uh, I think that we do that well in the college ministry, and I think we do that well as a church overall, mm-hmm. too. I'm, I'm not as involved in all the other things because I've only got so many hours in the day. You do, and you spend them well. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I that's the barometer that I've used for seniors who are going away when I've given them advice about, hey, look for a church that's like Jesus, that's living it out some way. Um, and I'm really glad to be part of a church that um, – that I'd be a member here even if I wasn't working here, you know, and that's that's pretty big. Yeah, I think so too. Um, how about to strangers? You talked about the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. And I think this in particular shapes a lot of the work that you're doing in and around UTA. Sure. Um, and then so I think you probably have some pretty concrete ways that the college ministry is living this out. Yeah, I mean, for us, in a concrete way, one of the things we're starting to do this semester, I was there this afternoon actually, is we're having lunch on campus, which is just, you know, we got to eat lunch anyway, so let's all meet up at uh, the university center and start making this a habit so that we have a easy-to-invite thing that's not I think not eating church. is one of the most missional oh, things for sure. you can You're, do. <laughs> <laughs> way into it, yeah. I'm very happy yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah, and so we're trying that out. Um, we'll see how it goes with all of it, but... Uh, that's one way that we're trying to get out there and, and meet new people because um, the best people to reach students are students. Uh, yeah, I agree. That's just how it works. Um, but I think in that chapter on the Good Samaritan, you know, primarily it's challenging people to look beyond um, their own preconceived notions about people. Um, in particular, like, you know, I think that Jesus is using a Samaritan as an example of more or less, hey, then along came the person you're most uncomfortable with and they loved well. You know, how, how are you going to respond to that? Like, are you going to actually, would you accept that from somebody or, or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, you know, that chapter is a lot on taking away your biases and uh, taking away uh, your excuses in a lot of ways. Um, and so... Yeah, I think the the practical ways that we're living this out for the stranger is having a welcoming environment that is um, that's low stakes for entry, uh, but we're not pulling back from the truth when they're there, you know. Right. Um, and then if you're in, you're in, and the Holy Spirit will draw you to that. Um, and we do, I think, a good job with our own students of if there's a new person, like we're going to learn your name and we're going to get your contact info and ch- chat with you and try to meet up one-on-one or two-on-one or whatever. Um, I think that helps. That helps kind of – it makes the stranger not a stranger, really, essentially, is what we're trying to do. Yeah. And I think it, you do it in very concrete little ways. I mean, just watching the college ministry, and, it, and this may seem like it doesn't matter, but the fact that every college student has a name tag on on Sunday morning. Oh, sure. Yeah. Means that when someone we do our best, in, man, we have people with their little little clipboards go around and give them everybody name tags. Right, but what that does <laughs> is when someone who's an outsider comes in and they make a name tag, right? A, they all of a sudden know everyone else's name, right? 
but they're not singled out for being new. Right. And they won't necessarily know if they're the only new person. Right. So it's a genius strategy. <laughs> uh, well, it's not original to me. But, but it's you're helpful. keeping it going. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just, it, I think sometimes we want to make love this abstract thing. Yeah. And especially with the definition as it is, it's pretty grandiose. You know, wanting God's best for someone. It's like, man, that's a huge thing to do. But hey, maybe that's just an encouraging word. You know, maybe yeah. that's, um, I don't know. One of the things I'm trying to do more over the last couple of years is, man, if I feel like somebody did a really good job on something and I just appreciated it or whatever, I may just tell them, even if I don't know them that well, you know, uh, just be somebody who's boldly encouraging and um, God blesses that. And it's a blessing to me to get to do it too. Right. So. I think we forget how simple and easy it can be to demonstrate love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we l- often will let our our fear of doing something hard sure. keep us from doing the things that are actually quite easy yeah. and simple um, because we think we have to make these big gestures. Mm-hmm. And really it can be just as simple as what if your Sunday school class had name tags every week? Sure, something like that. You know? <laughs> Which, again, seems small, but mm-hmm. you think about what creates as it comes said, back to the that question. Barrier. Yeah, that question that I mentioned in the in the lesson. Um, the guiding question for me in so many decisions is what is most loving, and so whether like even taking this job was like okay, what's most loving to the people around me and to patients? You mm-hmm. know, um, what's the most loving decision we can make here? Um, and you know, the call of God and everything else like that, but. Um, yeah, for even career decisions, even the things that you don't feel like there's necessarily an inherent relationship involved, you can still ask yourself what's most loving and it'll be a good guide. Absolutely. I, I loved that as a question for guiding and discernment. Um, so if you're listening and you're currently working through an issue in your life, mm-hmm. make that a prayerful guiding question for yeah. yourself. Be um, careful. Uh, <laughs> it's. <laughs> I mean, I say that in a joking way because – you're just supposed to do it. Like it doesn't, even if you're supposed to like, be careful if you're nervous about it, like, sorry, like we're supposed to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. We're supposed to love and It's always a blessing. It's always good. It is. It is. We should always, always be loving um, because that should be the mark of who we are as Christ yeah. followers. Um, any, any kind of closing thoughts, things you've meditated on since you've preached, you know, that you all those hours ago, <laughs> you know, it's just over 24 hours since That's you true. finished. That's You've true. Slept a night and maybe a nap since then. I don't. I don't know if you nap I on got, Sundays. I got a little bit of a nap. It was nice. But as you've thought about it, and as you've come out of the pulpit, um, are there things that you feel like you wanted to say but maybe didn't think about saying at the time? Hmm. He's really pondering this. I just am talking so we don't have full radio silence for you. (laughs) (laughs) I imagine they could cut this part out. (laughs) Let me think. I think that um, I really like what you said a minute ago, that we make it harder than it needs to be. I think that when I have not let myself off the hook for loving people, I've never regretted it. And – and I think that it's it's been such a like a clarity giver mm. uh, for love 
that, um, like I said in, in the, the lesson yesterday, like my mentor simply just sharing what he was learning about that week has changed my life and has gone on to change the lives of many students um, and adults who are now just like in the workforce. Um, there's a student of mine who is uh, leading my previous college ministry. Uh, she has a tattoo that has the first word of every word in the definition of love. Hmm. So like that's going to be with her forever. Yeah. And it was just something that my mentor said, hey, I'm learning this this in week from of, the Bible. In line of the right? problems. Yeah, exactly. And so you never know what what how what you're learning could impact somebody next to you, um, even if it feels like kind of a whatever statement. I mean, talking to him afterwards, you know, some months later and saying, I'm writing this book based on what you said. He was like, I kind of remember saying it, but it wasn't <laughs> like some big statement for him either, I don't think. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, the things that I would say is as mentors or as church people or as just friends and family, um, share the things that the Lord is teaching you, uh, no matter how mundane they feel like, or if you feel like, I don't know if this is all there yet, if it's a fully formed thought, because uh, you never know how it's going to go on to impact churches um, and ministries mm-hmm. and people and lives. Um, and so, I mean, for us as a college ministry, we have a mission statement and it's a, it's a modified version of the definition. We say that uh, FBCA college wants God's best for college students and we take action to see it happen. Mm. And that's a guiding step for us when it comes to the decisions that we make for outreach or events or um, hiring or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, man, share the things that the Lord has for you um, and share them with me. Man, I want to learn. Yeah, me too. Well, Connor, thank you so much uh, for spending time with us, both in the pulpit and here in the podcast studio. For sure. Uh, it is a gift to have you it's at our church. It's fun to be back podcasting. Oh, man, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you see Connor around, uh, again, it can be hard to catch him because he is diligently doing his everywhere. job. Yep. Um, but if you do catch him, just encourage him because he is doing fantastic work. Thanks, ma'am. Um, so thank you for listening. And we will be back next week with Dr. Wiles. The man himself. The man himself will return from Rome uh, and will probably tell us about all the things he ate <laughs> and all the things he saw. And I will salivate with envy. <laughs> So uh, maybe one day it'll be cool. Maybe one day. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening.